Mark Madden is going to be on tomorrow, Friday, and Monday from Vegas in advance after and discussing Vegas versus Pittsburgh in hockey, Steelers versus Patriots in football. Tim Bench with you today up until 6 o'clock, and I'm going to tell you how you can win tickets to Patriots and Steelers. Also coming up to start the show, two stories from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review that I think are very important to discuss right at this very moment. The first of which came out yesterday. And you might not have heard about this, but a giant 5'10 fossil of a penguin was discovered, I believe, in Australia. The burning question, can it play third-line center? And is it still younger than Matt Cullen? We'll discuss a little bit later on. The other thing that I want to get to, the other story that was in the Pittsburgh Tribune Review was written by me. And I also think it's important to talk about because it deals directly with the Patriots and the Steelers. You know, I've been hearing for, what, 15 years now? 14 years now? Ever since the Patriots got good. Why this time is going to be different. Why now the Pittsburgh Steelers will beat the New England Patriots. What is it about this matchup that will make the Steelers finally be able to get over the hump? And year after year after year, we do what we always do to ourselves. We fool ourselves. We talk ourselves into, this is why the Patriots are worse. This is why the Patriots aren't as good as they used to be. This is why Tom Brady is no longer as good as he used to be. This is why the Patriots can be had. Why do we do this to ourselves? Shouldn't the whole crux of the conversation be how the Steelers are now better? Shouldn't the whole crux of the conversation be this is why Pittsburgh is going to win? This is where the Steelers are are improved. This is where the Steelers can be better as opposed to where the Patriots are no longer good. I turned on the radio yesterday in the wake of the defeat for the Patriots in Miami. And you would think that the Steelers are going up against some sort of slightly souped-up version of the Cleveland Browns. Seriously. Brady's Achilles is bothering him. It's killing him. He's not the same. He can't throw deep. The Patriot defense can be had. Take away Gronk in New England's offense stinks. All you need to do is get pressure up the middle on Brady. Yeah, no one's tried that before. No one's tried to take away Gronkowski either. It's the first time it's ever been talked about. I mean, it's embarrassing. We do it every year. Why do we do that to ourselves? I just think it it makes us look bad as a fan base. Hey, look, the Steelers are home underdogs. They are, at last check, somewhere between two and three-point underdogs at home to the Patriots. So I'm not ruling out a victory. I said a long time ago, I'd never pick the Steelers again against the Patriots until they can actually show me they can do it against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. If Brady's in, I'm picking the Patriots until they can show me otherwise. But you can make a strong case. The Patriots have never seen Juju Smith-Schuster and Martavis Bryant before. Have they ever really gotten Brady, Brown, sorry, uh, Ben Brown and Bell together? No, they haven't. They had Bell on the field with those two for what? handful of plays last year in the AFC Championship game. Landry Jones played in the regular season. So you could build as much of a case as you want for the Steelers being better than they ever have been to play the Patriots. And I'll listen. And there's a lot to talk about there. And there's meat on the bone there. I'm going to do it for the next three hours. But this annual attempt to make the Patriots 
look less of a version to the point that they're going to lose the Steelers than what they have been before, it's such a self-defeating prophecy. It really is. And why don't we know this by now? You know, I listen to Sports Talk Radio up and down the dial. Some of the shows in our building, not just across the street. It's not me taking a slap just at them, but some of the shows in our building. We're talking about, oh, the Patriots aren't the same. Look at how much they've regressed. I wonder if those same hosts, and I wonder if many of the callers to the shows who are echoing these statements, like just as a for instance, if I go on Steeler Nation Radio on Monday, if I go on ESPN Pittsburgh on Monday, if Tunch and Wolf do their show or the guys across the street do their show and the Steelers beat the Patriots by a final score of, uh, let's just say, 34 to 30. I think if the Steelers are going to beat the Patriots, it's going to have to be something like that. I'm saying 34-30 if the Steelers win. I've got it more the other way, more like 34-29, Patriots win. But if the Steelers win, I think it's going to have to be in that neck of the woods. So if Pittsburgh wins by a touchdown or less at home against the Patriots and a host goes on the air and says, wow, the Patriots stink, huh? What happened to those guys? They're no good. You'd get skewered. The fan base would eat that columnist or eat that host alive. What? What are you talking about? Not giving the Steelers any credit? This is all about the Patriots being bad? What happened to the Steelers being good? Didn't they have something to do with it? So I I don't know why in advance of the game, we do this song and dance every year where we have to make ourselves feel better that the Patriots aren't as good versus the theory that your own team, the Steelers, may have been better. Because you know that's what you're going to want the narrative to be for Monday if they get the win. Ain't nobody calling the postgame show on DVE. Ain't nobody calling me on ESPN. What about the bottle shop on Monday? Talking about what the Patriots did and didn't do versus their own level of talent. We're going to be analyzing it from a one-way street. And that street's going to be paved in black and gold. Which some streets are, but you, you know the point. You get the analogy. We're only going to look at this through the lens of what the Steelers did on Sunday. We're not going to talk about, you know, what play calls came in from McDaniel to Brady. We're not going to talk about how Matt Patricia failed to adjust at halftime. We're not going to talk about what Bill Belichick's clock management was. We're going to talk about, did Martavis live up to expectations for once? We're going to talk about, hey, did they use Hilton right on the blitz? We're going to talk about, why did he go three wide versus a fullback and two tight ends in this situation or that? Because that's what we do. So why do we do this whole routine, year in and year out, where we suggest that the Steelers only have a chance based on the notion that the Patriots aren't as good. Isn't that selling your own team short to a degree? And why do we fool ourselves? Like, Is it because you just want to say the Emperor has no clothes? I, I don't get it. 412-333-9939. I, I want to ask this question, and I asked it on Twitter. And actually, the poll results are kind of surprising, and maybe for a lot of Steelers fans, perhaps very depressing. If the Steelers do win, if the Steelers do pull off the home upset against New England, what's going to be the more true statement? That Pittsburgh has improved or that New England has regressed? Or do you think neither is going to be the case and the Patriots are going to win? When I posed that question on Twitter last night, 60% of respondents I got said New England's still going to win. 60%. And yeah, I know I've still got a lot of people that follow me for my short time in New England that, well, just like to chirp at me on Twitter for no other reason. 
But I still thought there'd be more of a split there. So only 60-40, only 40% of people responding think the Steelers are going to win. And only 23% of you think that the Steelers are going to win because they're actually the better team. They've actually gotten better. Only 23% say the Steelers are good enough now as opposed to last year that they're going to beat New England on Sunday. The rest of you either think New England's going to win or that the Patriots are only going to lose because they're not as good anymore. So I'm one who doesn't put a lot of stock in what happened on Monday. I'm one who thinks that the defeat that they suffered at the hands of the Dolphins was, like, are they going 0-11 with Gronkowski on third down? No, they're not. If they get Trey Flowers and Van Noy back, are they going to be better on defense? Yeah, they are. You know, some people are saying, well, you know, if we're going to use this refrain of that defense ain't going to get it done against Tom Brady, if it's going to allow that to happen to Joe Flacco and Brett Hundley, what are Big Ben and the rest of the Killer Bees going to do against the Patriots if Jay Cutler can do what he did and Kenyon Drake can do what he did? That's fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that part of it. But you can't forget it the other half. Brady and the Patriots offense, when Gronk comes back, is still going to have an easier time with the Steelers defense than even what Flacco and the Ravens did. So, again, you tell me. If the Steelers win on Sunday, what are we talking about on Monday? Are we talking about how the Patriots regressed? How the Patriots are overrated? How the Patriots have taken a step back? Or are we talking about how Pittsburgh has gotten that much better and how Pittsburgh is actually superior to New England, not so much that the Patriots have retreated in terms of their dominance. Again, the number's 412-333-9939, or you can tweet me, at Tim Benz PGH. Plenty more to get to throughout the course of the afternoon. we got lots more on the horizon when it comes to Steelers talk against the Patriots. Uh, if you missed it, Terry Bradshaw has kicked up again this debate about Mike Tomlin and how good of a coach he is or isn't. We'll get to that. Uh, we're also going to talk about Neil Huntington and Clint Hurdle and some of the things that they've said about the future of Andrew McCutcheon. All that's coming up. Other trade talks coming from the winter meetings, too. Mike Rupp, Jesse Granger, they're going to talk to us about hockey, Penguins, and the Golden Knights. Murray versus Flurry. all that conversation can be had as well. And um, we're from Christopher Price from the Boston Sports Journal is going to join us to preview the Patriots in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden today on your home for the Pens, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark? Yes? I have a crush on you. What a gutless bitch the Hebrew hammer is. We keep the What a bubblehead. The X at 105.9. Man, we can win a shootout against anybody. You know, I mean, I feel like our offense, we got a lot of playmakers. Um, we got one of the, probably the best player in the league in AB, making plays on the outside, being throwing the ball to him, off the line doing what they do up front. Um, you know, I make my plays and spring my plays here and there. You know, and I feel like we can score points whenever we need to. Um, we end up scoring 39 a day um, and not really playing our greatest football. So um, I think we can win a shootout against anybody. Very fired up Le'Veon Bell after the game against the Baltimore Ravens. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden today on 105.9 The X. I'm fired up too. Why wouldn't I be? We've been waiting for this game for 15 weeks now or whatever it's been. High time we get there. Patriots, Steelers, you can win tickets to the South Park Clubhouse with me. I'll be there with uh, Matt Williamson and Craig Wolfley, 7-9 on ESPN Pittsburgh. If you sign up there, you could win tickets to go see the Pats and the Steelers. So join us at the South Park Clubhouse, 7 until 9 p.m. Think that quote's going to get any attention in New England this week? We can win a shootout against anybody. A.B.'s the best player in the league. Oh, my! What about Brady? They're dissing Brady! 
we can put up points whenever we want to? Well, they better, because I think they're going to have to do that. I think they're going to have to win this game about 34-30. to 30. I'm ti- Like I said, I'm tired of the narrative, year in, year out, why the Patriots are worse, and that's why the Steelers are going to beat them. Tell me why the Steelers are better. They might be better this year because they have all their offensive components together, and their defense might be able to hang with Brady just enough to allow them to win in the low 30s. That's how they could win. I've got to see it before I believe it, but that's how they could win. 412-333-9939. This stuff about, oh, just get in Brady's face, just get pressure up the middle. That's the other narrative that needs to stop. Like, this whole thing of how do you slow down Brady, you don't. You outscore him or you keep him on the sidelines. They played him 12 times, he's beaten him 10. The two times they've won, ball possession time of 39 and 42 minutes. And that ain't just running the football, two tight ends and a fullback. That was Ben throwing the ball with precision, accuracy, controlled passing game, kept the clock moving, kept the chains moving, 365 yards in 2011. When you hear ball control, 40 minutes of possession time, it's not slam and lev behind DeCastro and Foster and Pouncey. It might be five, six yards at a time to A, B, and Juju. Let's go to Kevin. You got in first from North Huntington. Go ahead, Kevin. You're on 105.9 The X. Yeah, yeah. I completely, thank you for taking my call, I completely agree with what you said. There's nothing wrong with being in a shootout and, and coming to grips with, yeah, we're just going to have to beat them with offense. We have some of the most offense, we have the, the most offensive firepower, I'd say, in the NFL. Who's going to cover Le'Veon Bell if you stretch him out wide? And I just think that this game's going to come down to, I mean, it might not exactly down to this, but we got to keep our heads through the game, not get any boneheaded penalties, get caught up in the excitement of the game, and, and get a 15-yard personal foul for, for uh, a stupid reason. Oh, and Kevin, d- believe me, that's why Tomlin's doing what he's doing with the whole public face he's put on this game. That's why he's doing the embrace the moment. Uh, he couldn't have been more outgoing, relaxed, smiling, gregarious in his press conference. That's as, that's as relaxed as I've seen Mike Tomlin on a Tuesday in I don't know how long. He was as kicked back and chilled for the biggest game of the year. Uh, I don't think he's really thinking that inside. I think he's putting that persona out for the exact reason you said there. I think he's playing a little bit of a head game with himself and his own team to not get too tight over this one. Maybe that's been a problem in the past and he's sensed it. Maybe the Steelers have gotten wound too tight going in all these New England games, and as a result, they just, the first sign of trouble, lose it. And they they get out of their own element because they're wound too tight. I think Tomlin, that's part of the reason he said what he said to Tony Dungy. I said back then three weeks ago, there was a method to this madness. Of all teams, of all coaches, this team to look ahead three weeks to that team? What is he, nuts? That's the first thing I thought. But then I realized, yeah, he's probably doing that for a reason. And the reason is, guys, have fun with this. Enjoy it. Don't just go out there and kill yourselves to try to win it. Enjoy it. Have the fans are going to have fun with it. Media is going to have fun with it. You're playing it. Why don't you have fun with it? Daryl's calling from Kennedy Township. Hi, Daryl. You're on 105.9 The X. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Tim? Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I, I totally agree with you that um, the way the Steelers are going to have to win is to out, obviously outscore them. But like you said, it's going to be a high-scoring game, 34-30, you know, whatever it might be. But I do disagree that it would be an upset. I mean, I think the Steelers have a better offense this year. Uh, both defenses are kind of suspect, and the Steelers are playing at home, which they played good there. And like the last caller said, if, if they could play discipline and not do the stupid, you know, the stupid penalties, and and um, like you said, relax and have fun. 
I, I don't see them having any. I mean, not say it's not going to be a problem, but I, I think they can beat the, the Patriots. Well, they can, year. and you know, kind of. And I appreciate the call, Daryl. Thank you. And people who are listening now, don't get my comments wrong from the previous segment. Like, I don't think the Patriots are as good as they were last year. I don't think they are as good as they were in 2007 or 2011 or 2004 when they were 14-2 and and they came in here and won the AFC Championship. And They're not, but they haven't regressed so much that that's the difference as to how they're going to lose to the Steelers. If they're going to lose to the Steelers, it's not because they've fallen back that much. The Steelers have to be that much better. I mean, there's a chasm to close there between what we saw in the AFC Championship game at Gillette Stadium when the Patriots won, and for the Steelers to actually win this game. So, no, the Patriots probably aren't as good. Look at the injuries. You know, they don't have Hightower. They don't have Edelman. Hogan's been gone for a while. You know, they're banged up on defense. I mean, you can't ignore this stuff. They've lost guys along the offensive line. Um, you know, their, their running backs have been in and out with injuries, too. So, clearly, they're not as good as they were last year wall-to-wall. But have they regressed so much that that's the reason why the, the Steelers are going to catch them now? It better not be. They better be better. I think they are. I think the gap is closed. I just need to see the system. I need to see the game plan and the execution of said game plan work before I say, yep, Steelers are better. You know, talking in Thomas' press conference about more man-to-man. Yeah, they better do that. They should do that. Can they do it well enough? That's the other part of it. It's great in theory. Can they actually do it? Martavis and Juju. Patriots haven't seen them yet. Yep. You know what Martavis has to do? Get open and catch a ball. Run after the catch. Don't fall down like a baby deer on ice. You know, I mean, like, Juju has to be consistent, not just flashy. Like, there's all this theoretical stuff as to why the Steelers are much better. I buy all of it. It's just got to be put into practice, which so rarely happens against this team. Uh, And to his point about the underdog thing, that wasn't my characterization. It's, It's a Vegas underdog. Bovada has him as a three-point underdog at home right now. Uh, I think, if I'm remembering this right, during the Roethlisberger era, the Steelers against the spread when they are a home underdog, 8-3 and one push. And straight up against the spread, or winning outright, they're 8-4. So um, with that being the case, they are very good when they're a home underdog. Let's go to Dave next. He's calling from Mars. Hi, Dave. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. Yeah, uh... The chasm, as you said it, uh, and you sort of did speak to it. Juju's there, Martavis is there, and you know, let's not forget that Le'Veon was hurt on what the first drive of that game last year. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's definitely uh, closing a chasm right off the bat. And Ben is playing, and he's not throwing to Kobe Hamilton and uh, Sammy right, Juju Kobe and Martavis. Sure. That's where they come in, right? Yeah, right. Um, so, and, and Ben is definitely playing out of his mind right now. I mean, let's. Is anyone playing better than him right now? You know, I don't know. Obviously, earlier this year is a different story, but right now... Anyone quarterback over the last month? Probably not, and I think even Belichick might have said as much today, honestly. Right. Um, And then on the Patriots' side, they they are basically trading Edelman for Gronk, and I don't know to Brady who he would rather have. I almost feel like he'd prefer Edelman to Gronk just in those big third-down circumstances. You know, it just seems like that's his guy that he goes to. What do you think? Um, no, because I think that when they need a big play, when they need third and ten, not third and four, they want Gronk. I mean, Gronk seems to be more like they've had Gronk this year and they've never gone 0 for 11 on third down. Uh, you know, they haven't had Edelman all year and they won eight in a row. So 
I, I would disagree with that assessment, and I think Gronk is much more of a unique cover, especially without Shazier in there at the inside linebacker position. I think that's going to pinch Pittsburgh, especially because of that matchup. So um, I would disagree with that last statement. I would agree with the other statements you made. It's just that you know we have kind of gone back in time repeatedly and looked at every reason why the Steelers, or let me take that back, we've looked at every game that the Steelers have lost to the Patriots and affixed one specific reason. Blacks dropped the ball in the end zone. Uh, Cowher shouldn't have gone for the field goal. The bus played hurt. Bell was hurt. Ben was hurt. Ball in the wrong hash mark. Spygate, deflategate, headsets. Like, we act like there's only one defining reason for every loss the Steelers have had against New England over the years, and that's just not the case. New England has been better, or New England has executed better 10 out of 12 times with Tom Brady. So you can't just pin one reason why. It's not just like one specific thing. You know, there, there have been more games that felt like whatever that was, 55 to 13, than there were not. I'll say that. Luke. Is calling from the North Hills. Hi, Luke. Real quick, we'll get you in before the break. Go hey, ahead. Hey, hey, Tim. Sorry to bug it. Hey, man, I think you are just hitting it perfectly. Like, I listen to ESPN. They're all alluding to, like, these individual player matchups. Don't you think it's a matter? Like, there, I don't think there's a question. Steelers have more talent on the offensive side of the ball. Don't you think it's a question that they come in, the Patriots, with a game plan? Control time of possession. They, they, they do what they come in to do and they get the Steelers off of their mark, and we end up playing catch-up throughout the whole game. Yeah, because that's, yeah. that, that's been so the formula you. 10 out of 12 times, and they've executed so, and won. So it, you're right. Like, for instance, if you subtracted, if for whatever reason, um, I don't know, uh, Brady and Ben both get the flu and can't play in the game, I'm picking the Steelers 100 times out of 100. Absolutely. But, and don't you... Don't you think that if, if so, and I, I'm not, I, I love Coach Tom, and I'm not saying this, but if they win this matchup, the talent on our side of the ball, don't you think if the Steelers stick to a game plan, that technically, if you look on the side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball, they should beat the Patriots. I, I think if you just look at talent, they should win. So yeah. if they lose, is it a matter of game plan? Is it a matter of discipline? Is it a matter of pay, players not staying on their marks, being out of position? Like, is that what we're looking at? Because I don't think it's a player versus player matchup. Uh, I no, I, I don't know about I don't think you can just put it directly on coaching. I mean, part of being a player is doing what you're coached to do. <laughs> you know, like, I'll just give you, for instance, from last week's game, like, Sean Davis playing the way that he played in between his spectacular play at the beginning and his spectacular play at the end. Is that Tomlin's fault? I don't know. If the whole team melts down that way, then yeah, maybe you put it more on coaching, but... You know, if I don't think they lost the AFC championship game strictly because of coaching, they got executed by a better game plan that was in the hands of the best quarterback of all time. 412-333-9939. Still to come before the top of the hour, I will give you something that's going to happen during the Steelers-Patriots game. It has nothing to do with the Steelers and the Patriots. We'll get to that before 4 o'clock. Also, coming up next... Switch gears a little bit, talk some hockey. Jesse Granger covers the Golden Knights. Murray versus Flurry tomorrow night. We're going to get to see it. Flurry came back last night. We talk about how he did, some of the other former Penguins on that team, and how are the Golden Knights so good so fast. We discuss next. You can hear the game here tomorrow on 105.9 The X at 10 o'clock right here on your home for the Pens. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 
And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hi, Mark. Sorry. I'm talking to my son. No one cares at all. No one. The X at 105.9. Bob was just telling me during the commercial break, Tim Benson for Mark Madden today, that George Clooney, there's this story out about Christmas gifts and how George Clooney once gave his friends a million dollars each, 14 of them in a black bag for Christmas. It's a much better gift than Warren Sapp gave that makeup artist at the NFL Network. Three years in a row, he sent her sex toys? Three years in a row? Warren, if you don't get a thank you note after the first two, you might want to give up. Also, he urinated in her office? Then there's fellow Syracuse orangeman Donovan McNabb. Hey, at least Ike Taylor found something he could finally keep his hands on. Well, no wonder he kept dropping the ball, all that extra lotion on his hands. McNabb asked this woman if she was, I can't say this, if she had a certain skill set akin to Bonnie Rotten whenever she was having sex. Heath Evans sent her nude photos, allegedly. And then Marshall Falk demanded oral sex while pulling his pants down. I'm with the wrong network. All right, we're going up until uh, 6 o'clock. What's going on there? Like, they know it's not a locker room anymore, right? Do they get that? No, they don't get that. They, they Apparently, they do not get that at all. At least Ike had the common courtesy to send it in a video. Not just still shots. He went the full nine and sent it in a video. Oh, poor Ike. You know, Ike was supposed to be here for this game. Ike was supposed to be in Pittsburgh with the NFL Network for this game, and then this happened. Oh, Ike. Of all the former Steelers in the media, it had to be Ike. Come on. All right, so uh, I mentioned before Jesse Granger came on. Oh, some quotes from Jesse Granger. Um, After he was done with us, Granger said the following. Marc-Andre Fleury on if it will be fun to play his former team. It'll be fun if I don't let in seven. That's Mark. Here's a quote to show that Marc-Andre Fleury hasn't changed one bit since he's left Pittsburgh. On his concussion, quote, It's very frustrating because you'll have a good day and think that you're coming back. Then the next day you feel like, crap? Can can I say crap? Yeah. I guess that's better than the other word. It's It's like he's still here. Here he is 13 years later. He still doesn't know what is or is not FCC compliant. And probably in either language, come to think of it. Uh, Okay, before we get to the top of the hour here, I mentioned uh, yesterday I was having a conversation with uh, Jamie Baker of WTAJ Television, and uh, we were talking about the Patriots-Steelers game a little bit, and uh, we came to the conclusion that one thing you can be assured, the only thing you can be assured of in this game, I'm going to make this one of my three guarantees for the DVE pregame show, the Pirates will trade someone at 425. I have no doubt in my mind that the Pirates will trade somebody, or Hurdle will retire, or something like Somewhere between when I get off the air for the pregame show and the game ends, they'll do something that'll just get buried in a press release. And, um, you know, I, I've seen a couple other media members suggest this. It's, there's no suggestion to it. It will happen. It's going to happen. In fact, kind of a funny thing from Clint Hurdle today on the MLB Network. I don't know if you caught this or not it happened like right before we came on 2:30. so hurdle sitting down with the mlb network and they're asking him about mccutcheon and he says words to the effect of and this is not a direct quote but it's pretty close 
Andrew McCutcheon still has MVP and gold glove seasons in front of him. Remember that. The manager said that the center fielder who is about to be traded to the San Francisco Giants in all likelihood has MVP and gold glove seasons in front of him. So when they get prospects back, and he and Huntington and Coonley and everybody else spin this so it doesn't sound like it's that much of a loss, the manager said he's got an MVP in front of him still. Or or when they suggest that moving him to get prospects in return is worth it because he's only going to be here for one more year, all right, what if that MVP season were to have been this year? Neil Huntington said that if the Pirate fan base could really be heard, what they would prefer is to have a winning team as opposed to just root for one individual player. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Hell, if you could guarantee me five Stanley Cups in a row, trade Sidney Crosby today. Sure, if you could guarantee me that the Penguins will win the Next two cups, get rid of Malkin today. If you could guarantee me that the Steelers are going to win three Super Bowls with Landry Jones, bye, Ben. See ya. But don't also think that we're so stupid as to believe that if you trade Andrew McCutcheon today, you're going to build a roster that's going to be World Series worthy or even above 500 worthy. No one believes that. So, of course, trade McCutcheon if it means getting a winning team together. You're just not going to come through with the Part B of the Part A. If you're going to get C, it's A plus B equals C thinking. The B part is very important here. A, trade McCutcheon. B, build a winner. C, have said winner. You're not going to give us B, and we all know it, so stop BSing us. 412-333-9939. In just 30 seconds, if you missed it, stick around because Terry Bradshaw has kicked up the Mike Tomlin as a cheerleader guy thing again. We'll have that for you next. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. 105.9 The X. Mark Madden Show on 105.9 The X, your home for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Tim Benz with you filling in for Mark, who is in Las Vegas. He will be there for Murray versus Flurry, Not Murray and Flurry. Likely Murray versus Flurry. At least that's what we're thinking going into this game. Jesse Granger joining us right now to talk about it from a Vegas perspective to discuss not only the return of Marc-Andre Flurry to the ice, not only the first game for him against the Pittsburgh Penguins, but also the Golden Knights and how they've taken off like a shot to start this NHL campaign in their first inaugural season. Jesse, good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Well, we spoke right before things got going for the expansion draft a while ago as the Knights were just taking hold. Their first roster was being formed, and boy, things have been very successful so far. How is the hot start for the Knights being embraced by Las Vegas as a city? It's unbelievable. I mean, this I think this city would have gravitated around them anyways just because they've been so hungry for pro sports and they've been waiting for so long. But the winning certainly helps. It does not hurt that they are 11-2, and two, and then they finally had their first pass regulation loss at home last night. But 11-2-1, and one, 
at T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas. The fans are loving it. They're taking over the city. I'm at practice right now, and it is a completely full house. I don't think there's a single empty seat in the entire facility to watch practice today. Do they do that all the time, Jesse, or is this some sort of special promotion? No, every practice all year long has been open to the public, and there are usually a few hundred people out here. Today I'd say there's probably close to 500. So 40 points so far, just three points behind Los Angeles for first place in the Pacific. A lot of it done without Flurry, who many of us here in Pittsburgh assumed would be a cornerstone and a major reason why, if they were competitive, they've been beyond competitive. So let's start with the goaltending. How have they gotten by without Marc-Andre, and how did he look last night? Well, first off, without him, uh, they claimed Malcolm Subban from Boston, who obviously everyone thought was going to be a great goaltender. He's a first-round pick. He kind of flamed out there. Just things didn't work out. They ended up releasing him. He's been nothing short of spectacular since he got to Vegas. Goalie coach Dave Pryor, who came with George McPhee from Washington, has done a great job with him. He's been outstanding. Then he ends up getting hurt. They call up two AHL guys in Oscar Dansk and Maxime Lagasse. Both of them played really well. Lagasse, not as good, but kept them afloat while the other two came back. Subban came back again, was great, and now we finally got Flurry back. Last night, Flurry looked good. He was a little rusty. Um, he brings a lot more to the table, obviously, than Subban does because Subban's just so new. Flurry was out for so long due to that concussion. I'm wondering what you saw beyond the goals allowed. You said he looked a little rusty. Can you break that down for us a little further? Where did you see signs of rust in his game, and how do you think he's going to be moving forward? Um, I'll be honest. I, I thought he looked fine out there, and Coach Gerard Gallant said he was outstanding. It was more talking to Flurry after. He wasn't really happy with his performance. He felt like, especially in the shootout, he was uh, not patient enough. He kind of dove in there and tried to get you – know, I mean, <laughs> you guys watch Flurry. You know how he is. He's super aggressive. He In the shootout, he kind of dove for the poke check, and, and they deked around him and flipped it into the net, and that was ended up costing him the game. But during the regulation, he was great. He gave up two goals. One of them was a fluky goal. What I, what I think Flurry really brings to this team that the other youngsters don't is handling the puck behind the net. He's just so good at going back there, getting that puck out of the zone. He, he, it eliminates so many chances for the other team because he's just so good handling the puck. Um, but, no, he was solid. I think, like I said, me saying he was rusty was more out of Flurry's mouth than it is out of mine. Wow, that's not something we're used to hearing about Marc-Andre. He's never exactly been renowned for being a Martin Brodeur clone when it comes to handling the puck. Yeah, I mean, and and he's not amazing at it, but like Malcolm Subban, as good as he's been, is he just almost never goes back there. And and same with the AHL guys that were brought up, Lagasse and Dansk. Um, neither of them are are really as as seasoned as Flurry, and he's just a lot more comfortable handling the puck than they are. Jesse, let's talk about Derek England, another former Pittsburgh Penguin who got a goal last night. He's kind of been out there as the, if nothing else, emotional face of the team. I saw him doing quite a bit, especially in the wake of the shootings uh, in Las Vegas. Very much a community uh, outreach kind of thing with him being from that area. What has it been like watching him play, and how has he embraced that role? Yeah, it's been really fun. When they when they took him from Calgary in the expansion draft, we all assumed it was just kind of as an off-the-ice thing. He's, he's lived in Vegas for more than a decade. He, he loves the city. He kind of helped guys find out what neighborhoods are nice here, what, where to move, where to live, what restaurants to eat at. He's been a pleasant surprise on the ice. Um, like you said, he scored last night. He has, he's got three goals 
on the season, which is probably more than I would have expected out of this point. But he's but he's been very solid on the defensive end. Um, I imagined he'd probably be a healthy scratch quite a bit this season. He hasn't been healthy scratched once. He's been out there on the ice for all 30 games. So England, and he hasn't been a liability at all. He's been, he's been a very pleasant surprise on the ice for uh, the Golden Knights. Jesse Granger covering the Golden Knights for the Las Vegas Sun with us on 105.9 The X. Okay, Jesse, when it comes to two other guys that have Pittsburgh connections, David Perron and James Neal, 23 points apiece. Neal second on the team right now in goals. And I'm hearing that they're playing in both ends of the ice. Like Neal has almost taken on a leadership role to some degree there in Vegas. Uh, you tell me, is that a surprising element to the game of these two players who are, for the most part, renowned as being strictly offensive guys at various stops in their career, particularly here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that is got to credit Gerard Gallant. His, the coaching job he's done with this team is outstanding, and he's just such a old-school, workman-like mentality kind of guy that he's, he's kind of getting everyone to buy in on both ends. And, and I wouldn't say Neil's been great on the defensive end, but, I mean, the effort's definitely there. David Perron has been a very complete player for him. Uh, he just went out for a few games, and when he, was, when he was out of the lineup, it was significant. It was very noticeable. You could tell that he was um, missing from the lineup. Neil, I mean, obviously, what he's out there to do is put the puck in the net, and he's, he's done that really well. But, yeah, I, I'd say his game's a little, more, a little more complete than it has been. Meanwhile, William Carlson really continues to light it up. 26 points in 30 games. He leads the team with 15 goals. What's made him so good? He is finally getting the opportunity. Um, and, and, like, Jonathan Marchessault is another guy. He played for Florida last year. He finally had his first full season. He scores 30 goals. Everybody thought it was a fluke. The Golden Knights take a chance on him. He's paid off. He's been great. I think William Carlson is the same kind of thing. In Columbus, he was just buried. Columbus has got a lot of depth. They didn't have time to get him on the ice. Here, he comes here. He gets put into a first or second, depending. I mean, they got kind of two, two A lines. They don't really have a one and a two. But he gets put on a top six position. He gets lots of ice time, and he's really taking advantage of it. I know quite a few people who are making this trip, Jesse. What's been the buzz around Vegas? Is basically all of Pittsburgh out there to watch potentially Murray versus Flurry? It is going to be fun, um, and and we're this this arena is no stranger to opposing fans. When the Blackhawks played here, there was a ton of them. The Red Wings, the Jets brought a lot. It's it's going to be a really fun atmosphere in T-Mobile, and you'd you'd think that having a bunch of the opposing fans would be a bad thing for the Golden Knights, but it's actually, in my opinion, worked in their favor because when, when the opposing fans come in and they start doing their chants, then the Golden Knights fans, the half of that half of the arena wants to kind of drown them out. It just keeps getting louder and louder. Every player that I've talked to has said that the atmosphere in this arena is unbelievable, and tomorrow night should be probably the best yet. Jesse, before I let you go, final two things. Uh, number one, what's George McPhee going to do as the season moves along? Is he going to approach this like it's still an expansion team and make moves, even if they are competitive in the standings, to build for the future? That will be the first question I have. And uh, the last question is, who runs the Vegas Golden Knights Twitter account, and what do they do with their 37 minutes of time where they're not tweeting? <laughs> so McPhee, it's, it's, I mean, it's, nobody knows but him. I've been talking to him throughout the entire process, and he's continually said that the record of the team will have no effect on his future plans, which, in my opinion, is the smart way to handle this. You can't let one little run change your entire plans for the franchise that you've been planning for two-plus two years. 
Although I think he, he will be a little less likely to sell. The thing is, James Neal is a guy that is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. If, you, if you're McPhee, you go to Neal and you ask him, are you going to sign long-term with this team? If the answer is no, you have to trade him at the deadline. You can't just lose him for nothing. I don't think having James Neal on this team for a possible playoff run is worth more than the first or second round pick that you could get for him that's going to be on your franchise for the next 10 years. So I think it, it's kind of up to Neal. I would lean towards he probably still gets traded, but it's definitely not the surefire pick that it was at the beginning of the year. For the Twitter account, <laughs> I mean, I, I know who it is. I don't know if, I, I don't know if he wants to be outed, but he's a, he's a good guy. And... <laughs> He, he's a busy guy, and, and yeah, I mean, he, he sure does love to tweet. He's aggressive. Is he aggressive personality? Absolutely not. Not in person, no. Oh, okay. That's kind of what I expected. Very bold behind the Twitter, but not so much in person. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a very nice guy in person. <laughs> Jesse, thanks. Appreciate the time. Enjoy the game. It should be fun. Hopefully we'll talk again in the future. And uh, enjoy covering this team. It looks like it's really gotten off on the right foot. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, that is Jesse Granger. He covers the Golden Knights for the Las Vegas Sun, joining us to talk about potentially Murray versus Flurry tomorrow uh, in Vegas. Mark is out there. He will be there for it. Tim Ben's in with you right now. Before we hit the top of the hour, when we come back, something big is going to happen during the Steelers-Patriots game, and it's got nothing to do with the Steelers and Patriots. I'll tell you what that is coming up here on 105.9 The X. Abby on